You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we look to make space for the spirit. I'm Phil. And I'm Erin, and we're glad to have you here with us today. Today, we are excited to be talking about a really special Bible study tool with you called the Bible. So, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty important. I know. Well, okay, one, just practicality-wise, there's nothing wrong with doing laid-out Bible studies or reading devotionals, but... Sometimes I think we overlook the fact that we are actually blessed with the ability to read scripture itself. So for starters, reading that, but we want to actually go in depth today talking about translations, because when you open up your Bible, different translations actually serve different purposes. And by knowing that, when you go to study the Bible, that might assist you in making a translation choice that helps you kind of fit the scripture to what your needs, so to speak. Yeah. And I think in order to kick off talking about different Bible translations, which we'll sort of get to at the end, we have to start with the fact that all translation is interpretation. Because the Bible was never written in English. Shocking for some people to hear. <laughs> the King James Bible is not Jesus's Bible, right? No English Bible is. <laughs> no, because it was originally written in Greek and Hebrew. Exactly. And, and then so Aramaic at some point. Right? There was parts of it. Yeah. So no matter what translation you're looking at, people had to take these ancient texts and try and understand them. And it gets even it, it gets complicated when you think about the fact that many of these words either only appear once sometimes in scripture or they have multiple meanings and you have to sort of try and figure out what the person was saying. But it's further complicated by the fact that we don't have any of the originals. Mm. So this means that oftentimes the texts we're translating from may only be a thousand years old. So like when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, for example, those weren't the original Bible documents. Right. Those are even later ones. Now, those do go back to the first few centuries, even before Jesus and right after. But well, I remember they let, when they were being discovered, it was lending confirmation right. to the, his, the scripture text that we have. People were getting excited because there was stuff in there that should be in there. Right. Or that we would expect to be in there. Exactly. So we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, but we also have things like the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And the story goes that in this third century CE, so we're talking about after Christ, Ptolemy III ordered or had 70 Jewish scholars from the 12 tribes go and translate the Bible into Greek. And miraculously, they all agreed, right? So, oh. right. So the story goes that they like all that agreed. There's 70 of them as well. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so Septuagint related to LXX means meaning the number for 70. So, so and, and other, you know, other um, versions of the story say there were 72. But the point being, we now also have this ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament. And then, okay. of course, we have fragments of text. We have what's called the Masoretic text. We have these different Greek New Testament texts. We have it translated from other ancient languages. So basically, when you're putting together a translation of the Bible, they pull all these together and say, what seems to be the most reliable version of this thing that we're trying mm. to translate? Right. And then, of course, they pull together teams and they have to make decisions they see what others have done and you basically come up with the best possible 
translation slash interpretation that you can. And so that leads to us having all of these different Bible translations today. And they are done on a spectrum. So we're going to sort of move from the all Bible is interpretation when it's translated. That's just sort of important to understand. So that can help then why when we are now talking about different translations, it can be helpful to read a variety of translations because mm -hmm. it can give you insight into how different people might have read it, mm -hmm. um, into the sources different people might have used. When there's a disagreement, what do different people do to sort of help us gain an, an idea of what might the original have possibly said. Mm, right. And so I think it would also be important to say right here that um, a translation of the Bible does, it, it's not that one translation is better than another, but that the team of people who were making that translation had a purpose or were using particular texts with more weight over other texts as they were making their decisions. Right. And then they have different goals for the translation. So there's basically a spectrum. Everything from what we would call a paraphrase to a literal or a word for word. So if you think of it as a literally like a ruler, a spectrum, on one side is paraphrase, on the other side is literal word for word, and then in, in the middle is what some call dynamic equivalent. So Kind of an example I remember a professor giving once is, if you have a word, a, a passage like, Jesus is a light unto my feet, right? Well, the you know, if you were to do word for word, it, it might be, you know, like oil lamp, right? Now, I'm not saying that's what the text actually says. It's just an example, but oil lamp, because that's what the people at the time would have understood, right? Okay. A, so a literal word for word would say, you are like an oil lamp under my feet. Whereas a paraphrase would say something like, you are like a flashlight or a cell phone screen, you know, unto my feet. Taking it to a modern understanding. Illuminating of how, Yeah, even, how yeah. the people would have seen it. A dynamic equivalent would just say, you are a light under my feet. So not taking it fully into modern, not taking it exactly word for word, but kind of putting it somewhere in the middle. And so mm -hmm. all translations fall somewhere on this spectrum. And it doesn't make one worse or better than another, but they're helpful for different things. So are we ready to go into some specific translations? Yeah, I think there's three the or four especially we should talk about. Okay, so the one I want to start off with is talking about the message. Eugene Be Peterson. <laughs> because I think this is a classic example of a modern day retelling of scripture that very much puts it on the paraphrase end of the spectrum. The far end, yeah. He was putting it fully in modern day language, trying to make it as easily accessible as possible. And of course, then there's some creative license sometimes used in that. Mm -hmm. And some people sort of want to, you know, look down upon the message because of that. But the funny thing is, all translation is interpretation, which means that it is an interpretation that's a little more free, but all of them are kind of doing that. So the message is on one end. Now, if you want to take it to the other end, you have something like the ESV, the English Standard Version, or the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version. So the NRSV, for example, is something I used in my academic studies when in college. So this is what a lot of our professors use. This is what they wanted us to use for papers. It is a much more... Um, literal. Literal in terms of accurate to what the actual words might have said or meant, which can sometimes be harder to read. You know, you need to understand context a little mm. more. You, you have to sort of capture it in a different way. But that's on the other end. And then can you guess what would be in the middle? I'm guessing the NIV. Exactly. The classic new, NIV. <laughs> new international version. So this is what a lot of Protestant churches use today. And there's a reason. Because it's right in the middle. It's easy to understand. 
like the message is, but it's not so modernized that you lose that intent of original language. Exactly. That the other two translations you talked about, NRSV and ESV. Exactly. Okay. And so here's the blessing of this. None of them are necessarily wrong. I think for me, they all serve a different purpose. Right. So for example, if you're wanting to do a Bible study where you are really getting into the nitty gritty of what was going on in a specific context. Let's say you're studying the letters of Paul and you're wanting to know who he was writing to and why. The message might be a good place to go if you're looking for the feel of it. How did it feel? What's, you know, kind of get your brain thinking about what might be going on and how those people were accepting his letters. But if you're wanting to get into... Well, and can I just... I'm going to interrupt. Oh, yeah. Eugene Peterson was a really great... I, I, I think he was a quality pastor and scholar. And so the message, I think, is really reliable from that standpoint. But go oh, ahead. Yeah. Then you can well, and, and this is why one of my favorite ways to use the message is I like to read it, just reading. And because I think then it, things catch my attention and I go, wait, is that really in the Bible? And then I go to a Bible translation I'm more comfortable with, either usually for me, the ESV or the NIV. And I'm, I look up the equivalent passage and I'm like, oh my goodness, that is in the Bible. It just, sometimes we're so comfortable with a phrase, we forget how extreme or powerful or significant it is. Um, but then anyway, so to finish my original train of thought, then if you're looking to get more into, um, you know, earlier when we've talked about like bracketing or we've talked about some of the other fundamentals of Bible study. Yeah, you're inclusio going to, chiasm. Right. You're going to find a lot more of those uh, perhaps more authentically preserved in, say, the NRSV right. than in the message. Because um, I don't think Eugene Peterson was trying to show us inclusio. I think right. he had a purpose of helping kind of reawaken our senses to what scripture's saying. Exactly. So NRSV, ESV, literal, you know, word for word, those are things I like to use for scholarly study. And then also using the original languages helps, which nowadays is amazing. There's programs like Logos that aren't necessarily that expensive or even free sometimes. There's online resources where you can literally say, what did this word mean? How is it translated in other passages? Mm -hmm. That's sort of a great way to go about it. And, and that takes it to a next level. Exactly. And then I like using the message for things when I'm trying to be more devotional in nature, really getting the feel rather than getting every little word in an academic way. I'm trying to get more of the feel of it, trying to get the, you know, sometimes it's more poetic in the message mm -hmm. because the Hebrew poetics or the Greek don't translate as well. Um, and then the NIV is what I like to use in studies with lots of people or in a sermon, for example, because it gets enough of the idea without going too deep into the word for word and getting lost. So I think our encouragement would for you would be read different translations and depending on what you are coming to scripture for how you are making space for the spirit then feel free to mess around with different translations just don't get stuck in one right cross-reference see what others say see why they say it that way mm. and i think that's a beautiful way to sort of engage god's word and of course we mentioned four translations here these happen to be the four we use the most often right. but there are many other translations yes. of scripture and they all fall into this continuum as well. Some yeah. of them might be between the NIV and the NRSV and they're they're a little more towards the literal but not in the center. There's they all fit there somewhere. And a lot of them in the beginning part of the book will talk about their method. 
the reason oh. for translating that way, the team, the text they use, how they made tough choices. So you okay. can even open up your Bible and they will often say, here's where we stand on the spectrum. They're not trying to hide it. They're saying we very specifically did this for this reason. Mm. So I think that's really helpful that uh, you can sort of engage it in that way. Yeah. So brothers and sisters, our prayer for you is that you would engage scripture, that you would see that it is there for you as God's living word still speaking today in an academic way, in a personal way, in an in-between way. And we invite you just to explore different translations to see how God can speak to you differently through those different voices. Until next time, brothers and sisters, grace and peace be with you.